12 to 1 on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to 12 to 1 with Adrian Abraham. Joining me on the show is Jason Dacey, ABC News journalist based in Brisbane, getting all the latest headlines from Australia. Jason, how are you? I'm great, Adrian. Beautiful spring day here in Brisbane. I've just gone for a bike ride around the river and I'm feeling good. Yes, you certainly are. And we had news last week that Queen Elizabeth II passed away. She had ruled for 70 years. And, you know, this has a greater sort of implications towards Australia because they're going to have a public holiday on the 22nd of September. And 10 Australians have been selected to go to her funeral, which is on Monday, the 19th of September. Tell us a little bit more about this and how the public reacted to her passing. Well, Adrian, I think you'd have to say the reaction has been uh, probably bigger than we expected because the Queen was our monarch for Australia for 70 years, just like everywhere else in the Commonwealth. So there's been a renewed feeling of optimism about the royal family, obviously sadness about the Queen passing away. But as you mentioned, there will be a public holiday on the 22nd of September, which is next Thursday. And we've got 10 Australians uh, traveling for the funeral uh, that's coming up very soon, including decorated war veteran Ben Roberts-Smith. Also, uh, he's one of four Victoria Cross recipients invited by the Victoria Cross and George Cross Association. Prime Minister will be traveling, the Governor General, also Australian of the Year, Dylan Orcott a disabled tennis player, horse trainer, Chris Walker, Senior Australians of the Year, Valmai Dempsey and Miriam Rose, Ungamar Bauman, and a few others. So every state and territory, there is six states and two territories will be represented there, in addition to the Prime Minister and the Governor General. So it's a big deal here. We've seen massive coverage on radio and TV after the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. And of course, um, Prince Charles III becoming King Charles III. Yeah, Jason, you spent time in the UK working with the BBC. You've also um, lived and worked in Australia as well as all these other countries as well. How did you react to the news? Did you get a chance to see that BBC news clip when they broke the news? I was uh, actually working at ABC uh, over the last few days on the website and there was a big operation here. They've had something in place for a long time to get everyone in to give the Queen coverage on the ABC News website. So I've been involved with that. It broke in the early hours of Friday morning here in Australia. So uh, yeah, it's been fun to be involved and watching everything happening in the UK. As you mentioned, I lived in London for a long time, the best part of a decade in the 80s and 90s. I'm a former BBC broadcaster. So yeah, it's been good to to be involved in the coverage. And I always think of the times that I've covered uh, the royal family over the years, whether it's uh, for the BBC, which I did as a sports presenter, of course, when, you know, the royalty was involved with big football matches or whatever else. And also in the US, when I lived over there in uh, 1997, I remember when Princess Diana died and I was at uh, NBC affiliate in Denver. And I did a lot of coverage uh, about the Queen and also, of course, Princess Diana and Prince Charles and everything else that was related to that, that tragic death, Princess Diana, which happened 25 years ago in 1997. It was a terrible day, not just in the UK, but this news, of course, made waves across the world. Yeah, moving on from news of Queen Elizabeth II's passing to a heightened flood risk. This after La Nina was predicted for the third year in a row, Jason. First up, tell us about this weather pattern and how the local population is bracing themselves. Well, La Nina is a very wet and cool weather pattern that we see in this part of the world. And the Bureau of Meteorology has declared that La Nina will happen for a third year in a row, and that increases flood risk. 
And we've already seen a terrible year of uh, natural disasters across the eastern side of Australia. So the Bureau of Meteorology announcing that this would happen. Uh, and that means we're going to have a weather, wetter than expected spring and also the early part of summer. And that isn't good news because uh, where I live here in Brisbane, I had the sandbags at my front door. I saw the rivers around me going higher and higher. Luckily, my house wasn't affected, but many houses were. So this isn't the news that we are anticipating at all. And depending on the criteria you use, there have only been two or three previous triple La Niñas since the modern records began in 1900, which gives you an idea of just how unusual this is. Uh, so let's see what happens uh, in the next few weeks and months. Very interested to see what happens, as you rightly mentioned there. Moving on from the weather, let's uh, talk about how Australians, uh, there's this push to send them to regional centres away from big cities. Now, why is this being put in place? I mean, surely the ones who live in the bigger cities will be more comfortable there. So what's in it for them to move away? Well, I think people can move away from big cities to get a better kind of lifestyle, less stress, uh, less pollution, traffic's not as bad, also friendlier people. And we've seen how Sydney and Melbourne have become so big with uh, populations of around 5 million. Even Brisbane, where I'm at, is up to 2.5 million. So there is a push to try and get the Australian population to regional centres, towns, uh, and even smaller cities outside the capitals. At the moment, two-thirds of Australians live in the capital cities, the big cities. So the Commonwealth and National Australia Banks, Woolworths and Australia Post are among the businesses supporting Regional Australia Institute's target of 11 million people living outside capital cities by 2032, which is 10 years from now. The downside of living in regional Australia is that the housing shortages continue there. Also, hospitals aren't as good and there aren't major airports. So if you want to fly to somewhere like Singapore, You'll have to drive to a capital city, whether it's Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Canberra, Perth, you name it. So let's see what happens. During the pandemic, we did see a lot of Australians leave the big cities and work remotely in smaller town centres uh, in you know regional Australia. We don't have the you know the transportation infrastructure that uh, the UK and the US have, which is a bit of a, a downside. So you can't get a fast train to you know maybe it's Tamworth or. Port Augusta and other places like that across Australia where you might want to live. Some of the facilities are not as good as the bigger cities. So, uh, I mean, if you were there, would you move, Jason? I would not move to a regional centre. I like to visit. My cousins live in Armadale, which is in northern New South Wales between Sydney and Brisbane. I love to see them there, but it's just a bit too quiet for me. And I lived for many years in Singapore, Kuala Lumpur, Hong Kong. So I love big cities. London, I should uh, also mention, which I mentioned earlier in this uh, this interview. I like big cities and I live in Brisbane, you know, just about three or four kilometres um, from the CBD. Yeah, it's um, always nice living in a bigger city, not just the facilities, the vibe, the people. And uh, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. Uh, we're in conversation with ABC News journalist Jason Dacey, getting the latest headlines from Australia. Jason, moving on to the Australian markets, how they've dropped sharply after a fall on Wall Street. Uh, the Australian dollar has also dropped. What's the, been the latest reaction to this news and what are the different steps put in place? Well, the Australian dollar is uh, dropping quite quickly against both the Singapore dollar and the US dollar. It's down to around 67 US cents, which is uh, showing just how poorly the Australian market has performed in reaction to what we saw on Wall Street. So this is something that uh, we have to deal with here. You know, it's been a, a pretty bad uh, year really overall for Australian markets and 
investors a bit jitterish. I am uh, jitterish myself. I have my retirement assets, which are pinned to the Australian market. They haven't done too well this year. So, yeah, often the Australian markets uh, follow what happens in the U.S. And it, uh, with those U.S. inflation figures happening overnight, uh, we saw how the, the Dow and the U.S. markets dropped. And it's a similar story here in Australia. And if you're going to Australia from Singapore, it's probably a good time to buy Aussie dollars because you're going to get around $1.4, $1.5 uh, per Singapore dollar if you are traveling to Australia and buying Aussie dollars. Yeah, great time to visit Australia, as Jason mentioned. There are plenty to do, and I'm sure we'll talk about all those things leading up to Christmas. Uh, but something else which is, you know, coming up very quickly is the FIFA World Cup over in Qatar, and Australia will be participating in the World Cup. And also, you know, let's talk about how one of the star players, Tom Rogic, has signed with West Bromwich Albion. He used to play at Celtic, and now he didn't have a club. But how much does this boost their hopes? Uh, I mean, they're not expected to go on and win the whole thing, but it's definitely a feel-good factor. Well, Tom Rogic was a big star for Celtic. He played there for 10 seasons. He won 16 major trophies, of course. He overlapped with Ange Postacoglu, who's now the former uh, Socceroo boss, who's the manager at Celtic with Harry Kuehl as his assistant. So there is an Aussie connection there. But uh, Tom Rogic left uh, Celtic a, a couple of months ago and he was without a club for a long time. He's 29 years of age, turning 30 this year. And he's one of the few world-class players that Australia has. He's joined West Bromwich Albion in the second tier of English football, the championship. I would have liked to have seen him join a Premier League club, but I guess uh, he didn't find the deal that he likes. He's got 53 caps with the uh, Socceroos. So there's now a good chance that he'll be included in the Socceroos squad to travel to Qatar after Australia unexpectedly qualified for the World Cup, beating Peru in a penalty shootout victory for the Intercontinental Playoff a couple of months ago. And Australia playing a farewell friendly here against New Zealand uh, in roughly a week's time. And I'll be going to that match at Suncorp Stadium, which is also known as Lang Park. So Australia traveling to the World Cup, there aren't a lot of expectations for them. They're going to be playing France in their opening game. So that's going to be tough. But good news for the Socceroos with uh, Tom Rogic, uh, likely to be selected for the squad, which will be announced uh, in the next few weeks. Really looking forward to the World Cup as always. And uh, it's a repeat of the 2018 a FIFA World Cup when Australia were in the same group as France. Before I let you go, Jason, you had the opportunity to interview Tony Hadley, frontman of Spandau Ballet. And as he begins his Australian tour, what was your highlight of that interview? Tony Hadley is the voice of Spandau Ballet, a huge band from the 1980s in the UK, the New Romantic Movement. We hear their songs a lot on the SPH radio station still with those hits like Cut a Long Story Short, Gold and, and True. Tony's giving a concert tour uh, here in Australia and New Zealand. His first gig is at Twin Towns on the Gold Coast on Thursday night. So I had a nice uh, interview with him about his career, about some of the highlights. And one thing that came out from that, like me and like you, Adrian, and like a lot of the Money FM listeners, he's a big football fan. So he's a massive Arsenal fan. So he spoke a lot about football, kind of uh, outside music. But he loves coming to Australia and, he, and he's looking forward to the concert. It's a bit of a story, a bit of a backstory about why he's not playing with uh, Spandau Ballet anymore. Had a bit of a falling out with that band, but he will still continue to play all the hits of Spandau Ballet on his tour of Australia and New Zealand. And we also spoke about the Queen as well. He's a big uh, fan of the royal family and he also met the Queen uh, a couple of times during his career. 
ABC News journalist Jason Dacey with all the latest headlines from Australia. Jason, looking forward to that her farewell game between the Socceroos and New Zealand. I'm sure we'll get the latest updates from you after the game. Thank you so much for your time. Have a great rest of the day and week and we'll catch up with you soon. Thank you very much, Adrian, and wishing everyone a happy lunchtime there across Singapore, and especially those who are big listeners of the Weekend Morning Show with Glenn Van Zeffen and Neil Humphreys on Money FM. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.